Hey, you know, I just noticed something kind of weird, Nick. I wore that shirt last week. You wore this shirt last week. Yeah, and we just kind of, yeah, we have one closet back here. We just choose on (laughs) Sunday mornings to decide what we're going to wear. And uh, so, anyways, I think that looks better on you than it does me, but just, yeah. Anyways, well, good morning and happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Uh, David, thanks for uh, just sharing uh, during worship uh, this morning. Uh, Hello to those of you that are uh, watching online, and uh, glad that you could join us too. Uh, Well, I hope you've been enjoying our series so far, and if I'm gauging from conversations I've had and the other pastors have had and uh, within my life group, um, it sounds like you are. And uh, you've been challenged, you've been encouraged, you have journeyed with us into areas maybe that maybe you have not spent a lot of time studying, maybe a little more uncomfortable with. And that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit and their role in your life and their role in the life of our church. Now, it seems like it's been a long time since I've been up here. I mean, back in February, in the beginning of our series, I, talked on, uh, on, I taught on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And there it was kind of a setup to realize that we're just not going to concentrate on spirit, but we bring God's word into it because it's both the word and the spirit. They are not mutually exclusive, but they're in this mutually dynamic synergy and relationship to one another as we approach any subject in the word. So both of these are, these are needed. And if you were here uh, last week, Pastor Nick reminded us and, and, and about the word is that the thing that we're trying to do here, the thing that we're trying to accomplish as we teach on this series is we're trying to under, simply understand the scriptures, as he said, and then trying to obey them um, and become doers of the word. And so this whole process, all these messages are bathed in that connection there. And then another thing that Pastor Chris uh, reminded us of, by the way, he's on vacation somewhere. Where would he be by now, perhaps? Someplace really cool in Europe. So anyways, uh, but um, the desire that we have for you through this series is that um, you would identify at least one of these gifts that we've been talking about. You would uh, study them. If you think you have them, you would talk to a pastor about it or your life group leader. Uh, And then you would focus on developing that gift so that you can bless the body of Christ. You can glorify the Lord and you can bless those outside of the church. Now, before I continue, um, I thought it might be helpful for us to do a quick review because we're almost at the end of this series here. We have one more message and we have the Holy Spirit Conference. So I just want to run through like a summary of some of the main things that we maybe have learned through this. And the the first one is that that all Christians have spiritual gifts. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Romans 12, 4 through 6 says, For as in the one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us And it finishes up with, let us use them. That's a call, let us use those gifts that we have. Secondly, we talked about the purpose of spiritual gifts. Um, Verse 7, once again in 1 Corinthians 12, says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
Wayne Grudem said this about that. He said, spiritual gifts are given to equip the church to carry out its ministry until Christ returns. The gifts are given to edify the church and to glorify God, especially Jesus as Lord. They are expressions of his ministry among his people and care for his people. Number three, there's are varieties of gifts. We find a list of spiritual gifts in five different areas in the Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 8 through 11, verse, 12, uh, verse 28, Romans 12, 6 through 8, Ephesians 4, 11, and 1 Peter 4, 11. So it's, it's spread out through the New Testament. We've um, also have entertained perhaps with the way the lifts are structured that, um, and the way they're listed in the Bible, that it's not exhaust, exhaustive. We didn't really explore that a lot, but just wanted to say that. Um, the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians, they're composed of what we would call situational supernatural manifestations. What we mean by that, it's according to what's happening at the time, the Holy Spirit and the need of the moment, this gifting may come across that person. There may be a gift of healing or, or, or something to that effect there. And so they are situational and they're not necessarily permanent uh, in a person's life. The seven gifts in Romans 12, we call these ones core or orienting gifts. I don't know if you remember Pastor Chris talking about that. Sometimes they're called motivational gifts, and it taps into how God created uh, into us and what inspires us. And the primary purpose of the motivational gifts is to, is to motivate us to serve the Lord in the church. And um, so we believe that every believer has at least one of these, uh, and every church needs all seven of these gifts. And so here's the thing. If we as the body of Christ, if you as an individual, if you're not using your gift, then you're missing the reason why they were given in the first place. To bless the church, to encourage the church, to grow the church, to glorify God, and then make that personal. Same thing for you, okay? Um, the gifts in, uh, in uh, Ephesians 4 are called, min the, excuse me, the five gifts in Ephesians 4, they're called the ministering gifts. And um, then the next thing, every gift is necessary and therefore to be valued. Next, all gifts are given sovereignly and graciously. 1 Corinthians 12 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so they come from the Holy Spirit. Number six, gifts are to be earnestly desired. Uh, you heard uh, Nick talking about this, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and earnestly, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In other words, pray about it, ask about it, desire them. Seven gifts are for serving, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Uh, and then finally, number eight, ultimately all gifts or for God's glory. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay? So you didn't have to go to any of the other weeks leading up to this time. We're just going through this right here, and now you know everything that we've talked about so far. No. But uh, obviously kidding. 
Um, so for this morning, we are going to talk about one of the motivational gifts, and that's mercy. That's found in Romans chapter 12, specifically verse 8. And then we're going to talk about the gift of shepherding found in Ephesians 4, and that's uh, the verse 11. So I want to start this off a little bit, but I wanted to tell you guys a story. And um, it's a true story. It's true because it involves my wife, Erin, and me. And so this happened like maybe 10 plus years ago. I don't know, 12, 13, whatever amount of years ago it happened. So Aaron and I, we decided to go for a bike ride. We, we, we like bikes. We like to ride our bikes. And we took a bike ride on our super cool cruiser bikes. We have cruiser bikes, right? And um, we bought them shortly after we arrived here in California. We wanted something to remind us of that. And since they were easy to ride here, uh, in Columbus, in Ohio, because there's no such thing as hills in Ohio, so it's like flat, right? So you can ride a cruiser bike. Uh, anyways, we went out one evening, and we're riding around Sharon Woods uh, Metro Park, and that's where we, near where we lived at the time, and so we're cruising, and then all of a sudden, this bat comes flying out of the bushes, okay, out of nowhere. What's the saying? You know, it's like a bat out of hell, right? So, so we're riding, and it comes out, and, and then Aaron says, I'm hit. I'm hit. I'm going down. And, and it was like in slow motion. And, and she goes down, and so this bat out of hell <laughs> hits Aaron. She yells this out. I watch her fall down. It truly is like just watching this thing happen in slow motion. And because... I have the gift of mercy, <laughs> of which we're going to talk about this morning. I quickly jump off my bike, rushed her, rushed her aid, all the while feeling her pain and agony that she's going through, compassion just oozing out of me. I want to save her, and I want to comfort her. I want to make sure that nothing is broken, uh, and that she's not bleeding out. Besides, it's a bat, and it could have rabies. It could have bit her, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say this, but I started laughing. <laughs> I know, shameful, right? Terrible. My husband card was revoked from me right there at that moment. Um, I can't recall, but I'm not sure where I slept that night. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But she was not happy with me. She is still not happy with me. <laughs> now, in my defense, which I have none, okay, I, you know, I... I just addressed or assessed the situation, and I could just see that I don't think she was really hurt. We weren't going that fast or whatever. That was my excuse, okay? It was just a, more of a surprise. So anyways, you can ask her more questions about that. She says I embellished it. I don't know. I think it's pretty accurate. But um, anyways, in case you were wondering if you have the gift of mercy, that's not how it works. Okay, so just check out if that's not just, yeah. um, But let's pray before we get too much further into our teaching or before I get into any more trouble here with my stories. So. Father God, thank you for who you are. It's so hard to understand how much you love us and the act of mercy that you showed us on the cross 
is, is really difficult to, to comprehend, but you did it. And we thank you for that. So I just pray this morning, um, just use me um, uh, in teaching these two subjects here. I pray that um, maybe there are people here that say, you know what, I think I, think I got the gift of mercy. I, I think I got the gift of shepherding, Lord. And I pray that they would act upon that and go before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, quick outline how we're going to look at these things. First, we're going to define um, the gift, and then we're going to answer a couple questions. What does the gift feel like in an individual? And then what does uh, the gift look like in the church? And finally, the gift exemplified, meaning an explanation either from Scripture or someplace else. Okay? So number one, the gift of mercy defined. We find this gift, we find it in Romans 12. It's specifically in verse 8. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 6 through 8. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one, uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, and then um, verse 8 here, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and here it is, the one who does, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So um, it's the seventh and final gift that's listed in Romans, known as the motivational gifts. Um, so I'm going to walk through this a little bit. I want you to see if you can see yourself uh, in this as I read a definition. So just be thinking about that as we go through these two gifts. So I'm going to give you a combination of a few definitions that I have found through various uh, commentators. Um, and once again, see if you can find yourself or, or this sounds familiar in your life. The gift of mercy is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ. Now, I changed this up. I wonder if we got to... Oh, good job, bro. Thank you. Um, so the gift of mercy is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to feel genuine empathy and compassion for individuals who suffer distressing physical, mental, or emotional problems and to translate that compassion into cheerfully done deeds which reflect Christ's love and help alleviate the suffering. I'll go on to say that um, this person with the gift of mercy, um, they feel the hurts of others as if it was their own. Um, and why do they feel the hurts of others if it's their own? It's because they have a genuine compassion and love. It's the way God is wired and it's a gift that, that has been given to them. Now, I think that we could all agree that a, a characteristic that should mark every believer is Mercy, right? At least it should be. I think there should be a part of that in our lives, right? Um, the reason this makes sense is because I mentioned it in my prayer, is that the greatest act of mercy shown to us is that God demonstrated it by sending His Son to die on a cross for us. And that, that mercy was demonstrated to us on the cross. Also, um, Jesus in the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you remember that, we're going to dig into that a little bit later here. Um, but he tells the expert of the law, the guy that's asking him the question here, he gets done with the whole thing, talks about mercy, and he says, hey, go and do likewise, meaning be merciful. Out of all that whole story, I want you to be merciful. And so that, uh, in that parable, he's not only telling the expert there, but he's telling everybody that's listening to uh, that. And so, and through God's word, because we read it and it's relevant for today, he's telling us to, to be merciful. Jesus in Luke 6, 36 said, be merciful. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So we are called and commanded to be merciful. Galatians 6.2 tells us to bear one another's burdens. What are the way, one of the ways we bear one another's burdens? By being merciful to them. 
And God values mercy so much that he promises in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So out of that, we would say that all, everybody, right? Mercy is the calling of all believers. But as we've been learning about spiritual gifts, there, there is a specific and dedicated supernatural impartation gifting of these gifts, in this case, mercy. It's that the Spirit gives to some Christians to show this. It's an extra measure to serve the church. So number two, what does the gift of mercy feel like in an individual? What does it feel? Again, I want you to see if you see yourself in this, okay? First off, sometimes people think of mercy as a feeling, uh, of sympathy, which, you know, uh, or sympathy, and that's a part of it. They feel compassion, which is a part of it, but it's so much more than that. Mercy is more than just compassion, okay? Many can show sympathy by feeling for somebody, but those with the gift of mercy... Goes, it goes beyond that. They have a high empathy quotient, okay? And they can actually feel with them. And I know some of you have that, where you just enter into that person's pain, the suffering, whatever they're going, and you actually feel that. And so it's not just a personality trait or that you're able to have, to have sympathy, or, sympathy or empathy with someone here. But, but people with this gift, they often feel deeply what the person is going through. Now, because of the ability to empathize with others, these words are going to get me tricked up this morning. I know it is. <laughs> um, it allows them in a certain way to kind of put themselves in that person's shoes. You know what that's like? And so, supernaturally, they, they begin to understand what that person's feeling, what they're going through. They don't have to have gone through that particular thing themselves because this is a gift. So it's, it's not like, you know, you need to, um, whatever, have had a certain surgery uh, in order to empathize with somebody else who's had a certain surgery, okay? The gifting of this, the supernatural gifting, this enables you to get there. Um, excuse me. Many times uh, this happens at a personal cost of time and money. Why is this? Because... Uh, an important part of this gift is actually action, all right? The gift of mercy was, 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 is to meet the immediate needs of others and alleviate suffering, loneliness, and grief, and that means action. So if we were going to go do a deep dive into the word mercy and its meaning, um, you would find the words meaning uh, the feelings that are evoked in this are some of the words that are that, that in, in um, in Hebrew and also in the Greek, talk about the feeling way down in your bowels, you know, like the deep-seated emotions of a person. And that's how um, a person with this gift feels um, in this sense here. So what is the gift of mercy? Let's look at what the gift of mercy looks like in the church. If we were to be honest here, you know, the gift of mercy, um, it's messy. Mercy is messy business. Mercy is tough business. Why is, it, why is it messy? Because life is messy, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Life isn't one simple, easy, linear, I became a believer, I'm a Christian, everything's going to be okay. You've all experienced that, right? 
Ever since you become a Christian, I mean, you haven't had an issue in your life. You've never sinned. Your kids never talked back to you. Somebody had didn't pass, somebody passed away in your life. Um, it's messy. There's broken families. There's divorce. People pass away. People do things that they regret. One person put it this way. Broke people are like broken glass. They usually leave shards in places we would rather be left tidy and clean. See, we're humans. And we need mercy because we fail and others fail us. And God knew this. I mean, even in, in, um, in the miracles that he did, in, in five of them, they were prompted by mercy. And so he showed us, he gave us these examples. It is so needed in the body of Christ that I would just want to say, if you think you have that, we need you. We need you. God uses this gift in the church. He's designed that his love and his compassion and his tenderness comes out for those who have the gift of mercy in the body of Christ with people. And I've seen this gift shown and used in over the 15, 15 years or so that I've been here. There's been situations, opportunities where something not good has gone down in a person's life, and I've seen that gift being used. Um, they are God's special agents. So the people who have the gift of mercy, you're a special agent of mercy and tenderness, not only to the church, but it's also to the lost world. They see that too. They wonder, how can you do that? It's one of the ways that he shows himself to us, hands, heart, and feet in this case, right? All right. How does it play out for, for people with this gift? Well, people with this gift, they're often drawn to broken people. It's just something. They're, they're, they're drawn to broken people. They seem to be drawn to messy um, situations, individuals, uh, where somebody with not the gift of mercy may just not want to get involved in that scenario, that situation. But that gift person with the gift of mercy, they can't pass that up. They can't pass that up. Their gift allows them to see those hurting within the church and outside the church. And so they're like little mercy radars for the body of Christ. There's so much of a help for uh, the pastors. The depth of their gift is such that those gifted with mercy actively, it gives them, I don't know how you say this without sounding weird. Um, they rejoice with those who rejoice. They weep with those who weep. There's, there's a certain um, thing that God does in a person who has mercy, uh, mercy as they show it and they give it and, and they work it, that it brings a deep-seated joy uh, into their lives. What else about the mercy givers? They're the first people to show up when, when someone is hurting. Uh, they're always looking for ways to provide support to those people in need. And really what they are is, is they're burden bearers. They just come along. Have you had a mercy person come into your life and they just help you with that burden that you have in your life? So, see, mercy givers are placed in the body of Christ for a divine purpose here. This, uh, somebody put it this way. He said that they are watchdogs of the emotional needs found within a church body. They tend to sniff out like a champion hunting dog. The emotional needs within the body meets those needs and then like watchdogs protect the members. It 
something um, I've kind of, I just want to reiterate here. It's something we don't want to miss about the gift of mercy here. It really is an action gift, okay? The verse, Romans 12, it says the, uh, the one um, who does acts of mercy, the one who does acts of mercies. Um, all right, I talked a little bit about, it says then, with cheerfulness. I talked a little bit about that. I'm not going to go much more into that. But the idea here is that mercy, uh, something to understand if you have to get the mercy and people that do understand this, is that it's costly. Um, it's costly. And it takes a lot to put yourself in that position. It could be costly from an emotional standpoint, be costly from a monetary standpoint. And so you need to make sure if you have the gift of mercy that you are aligned with somebody, with a pastor, a friend that can keep you accountable, that they help you put guardrails into situations that you might um, be in. Okay, for the gift exemplified, examples of the gift here in Scripture. Let me see. Mm, yep, that's what I do. Okay, who's our supreme example of the gift of mercy? Yep, very good. Sunday school, star, ribbon, you get it? Okay. And so we talked about his supreme act of mercy towards us. Um, there's many scriptures that we can find out through the New Testament where he shows compassion for the hurting even before he heals somebody um, to us, the world, and to the Jews. Um, another example would be on, um, on, on Sephoris, on Sapphires, on Sephoris. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 16 through 17, he showed mercy to Paul while he was in prison, okay? Paul acknowledges, thank you that. A special blessing to him because he showed me such mercy and what he did for him in prison. But perhaps the best example of mercy in the Bible is the Good Samaritan. Very, very familiar. Luke chapter 10, verse 29 to 37. I'm going to go ahead and read that. It's on page 868 in your pew Bibles if you want to turn there. It says this, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an end, and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when you come back. Which of these, the question Jesus uh, asked, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the answer is, verse 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And so in this story of the Good Samaritan, if we were just like to quickly walk through that, this is that when he saw this injured man, he didn't pass by, okay? Uh, no, he had compassion, it says. He had the ability to feel distress. He knew something was wrong. He entered in, verse 33. Um, next, 
Not only did he stop, you know, he went to him. He bound, he bent down. He went to find out what was wrong. So those with the gift of mercy are actually drawing to this people who are hurt. He was drawn. Those other two were not drawing to him. One communicator or commentator said, they seem to reach out to the broken and the underdogs. And that's so true of people with mercy. Um, he bound up his wounds. Um, he wanted to remove the hurt. He took care of him. He didn't just leave him there. He, he seemed to be just as concerned about um, the person himself and not just the injuries there. He stayed with him. Um, he took him, put him on his, the donkey and brought him to a place. He paid the man's bill. And so there was action. It cost him. Um, and so we see that all symbolized uh, in this story here. Now, if you see yourself in any of this discussion of mercy, you might have the gift of mercy. And we need you. I would encourage you to just, you know, if you think so, on your connect cards, just write mercy on there, okay? Write mercy on there. There are, of course, lots of people in here that we can name in our, in our body, uh, but I, I think of the Hoyts as having, and only they know if they have that gift. I see... Um, uh, Wendy Eastwood, I see her just, you know, go beyond measure and feel the hurts of, of people. And um, I've seen Aaron Carnes act out in this way and with the, um, and coming alongside. And there's many others. So if I didn't mention you, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to give a few examples there. Um, If I may, and I'm not want to go much into it, just be careful. I think I mentioned this already, but there are dangers with this gift. So if you do have, you think you have this, make sure you're surrounding with people or pastors in your life to help you move through this thing. Okay, enough about mercy. Let's go ahead and see if we can get through this other gift here. Um, we're going to look at what is called a ministry gift. So the gifts are categorize, you know, we as people like to categorize things. So it's known as a ministry gift. It's found in Ephesians 4, and it's the gift of shepherding. It's verse 11. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, this is the ESV, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and teachers. And so let's look at the gift of shepherding defined as we did with mercy. And so here's a, uh, a definition by Pastor Brad Murphy. He said that shepherding is the God-given special calling and anointing to serve and to strengthen the body of Christ by taking spiritual responsibility for a group of believers and equipping them to live Christ-centered lives. Equipping them. What's interesting here is that in the ESV, the Greek word used, poimen, is translated shepherd. And so you're going to find it translated as shepherd in ESV, as pastor in, in, in other um, Bibles. The strong, in the Strongs, the word is defined as shepherd. In Ephesians 4.11, where Paul is listing spiritual gifts, the some, um, sometimes, uh, well, I just said the same thing here. It's translated sometimes as pastor, okay? There you go. But here's the thing. The word poimen is translated pastor only one time in all of Scripture, okay? It's used 16 additional times in the remaining 16 times, it's translated as shepherd. And so expanding on this, as we looked at the gift of shepherd, according to Dr. Larry Gilbert and others, he says, therefore, we must recognize that although Scripture uses the term pastor in this one instance and in some translations, we're discussing the gift 
the gift of shepherding. We're not the position. We're not the office of the pastor. So we see that these are they're often linked together. However, there are many believers who are not pastors who have been given the gift of shepherding. And so what happens in a church, we have these people in the church, they have this gift, and they can get lost in the body of Christ because they think, I'm not called to be a pastor. I don't have any calling from God to go to seminary or to Bible school uh, or whatever, but I, but I want to shepherd people. I, I love to shepherd people. Um, and so, by the way, this, it's, in, in that sense, is the gift of shepherding. It's not gender-specific. See, we, we've gotten so used to the office pastor, okay, and so we have this, the pastor as a role or an office, but we're talking about the gift of shepherding. So if that's the case, what does the gift of shepherding feel or look like in an individual? In other words, what are some ways to tell you that you might have the gift of shepherding? Uh, according to Gene Wilkes, he said this. He said, the gift of shepherding is manifested in persons. Okay, look for yourself in, as we go through this here. Who look out for the spiritual welfare of others. While pastors certainly look after the spiritual welfare of others, there are others in the church who also feel the call. So let me, I compiled a list of things here that tend to be uh, with somebody who has the gift of shepherding. So see if you see yourself here. Um, they are driven to help others reach their full maturity as believers in Christ. Uh, I have quite a long list. They have a heart to lead and care for um, a community of believers. They desire for people to walk in their calling and gifts. They watch over the church as a shepherd watches over sheep, meeting the needs of others and giving their time to help with spiritual issues. They enjoy spending time nurturing and caring for others. They have compassion for wandering believers and want to protect them. They like to provide guidance to the whole person, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, etc. And, and compiling this list in a sense is this is often done with a smaller group of people. They can faithfully provide long-term support and concern for others. They enjoy giving guidance and practical support to a small group of people. They can gently restore wandering believers in their faith. They can enjoy patiently but firmly nurturing others in their development as believers. They like to provide a safe and comfortable environment where people feel welcomed, belong, are listened to, and they're cared for. And also, they have the ability to teach God's words in such a way to help that person grow spiritually. Do you see yourself in that? In any of those things I talked? Is that something that stirs your heart? You might have the gift of shepherding. Three, what does the gift of shepherding look like in the church? Just to reiterate, everyone who has the gift of shepherding does not have... Uh, the position or office of pastor. And so this gift can be utilized in a lot of different areas in the church other than the senior pastor. In other words, we know people right here in our midst at Linworth who shepherd and love people. They love being small group leaders. They love meeting with people. And there's just this gifting that comes out in this. And so where does this take place? Well, think of your life groups. Think of your life groups. It's not necessarily like every life group leader has to get their shepherding but they're bent towards it, and maybe they do have the gift um, of shepherding. So, so if we, that word is interchangeable, what are they doing? They're shepherding, and they're in, in essence, they're a little tiny church, so they're pastoring, okay? Which means shepherding, right? Uh, we think of Lisa, um, and she shepherds all those little munchkins, right? And, but she also shepherds a leadership team, and she has this compelling desire to see them grow. 
So she's shepherding, and in, in, in essence, she's pastoring them too. Um, Alex, he's got our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, and he's got his leadership team. And so he shepherds them. And so if he's shepherding them, he's also pastoring them. Erin, she shepherds and pastors the women. And of course, um, once again, people may be in positions where they are actually shepherding. They may not have the supernatural gift of that, but that's okay. But there may be a calling on persons and people that do. Dads, this is Father's Day, right? Okay. You're shepherding. You should be shepherding your kids. Pastoring your kids. All right. Thank you for doing that. And so what happens is these people in the church, in these different positions, they work as an extension of the church pastors, okay? Or the leadership, right? They shepherd smaller groups of people. And because it's just too much for um, every church member to be taken care of by a pastor, a lead pastor, or a couple of pastors. And that's why the Holy Spirit gives others the spiritual gift of shepherding. That said, yeah, they give the gift of shepherding. Okay, let's finish up here with this. The gift of shepherding exemplified. And to show this, um, Chris and Nick and myself, uh, we asked Erin if she would come up um, and uh, help us answer this last part and tell you the truth about what happened that one day in the park. <laughs> Why don't you give her a hand here? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you. And happy you. Father's Day to my dad out there. So, yeah. <laughs> so we just wanted to, you to kind of explain how this shepherding gift works, um, how, um, how it's played out in your life and in your ministry. And I, mm -hmm. as you explain it, I think we'll get an understanding of your thoughts on it, where you've come from, and what you think about it. So. Okay, well, honestly, I've never even thought about the gift of shepherding until they asked me to do this. Um, I really always thought shepherding was that office of pastor shepherd, and I never really considered that it was a spiritual gift. But this is what I know about me. I like to grow things. And so there is nothing like putting a tiny little seed in the ground and waiting for it to sprout and watching it grow and giving it the water and the support and the protection that it needs to grow into a big, beautiful, vital plant that is going to reproduce itself. And so um, that's shepherding. Um, and I, the other thing is, is I know that I really like to see people grow in the same way. And I I like to be able to set the table for them, to have good soil and good community, to have um, plenty of food and water in the Bible and in prayer, um, providing it with all it needs, um, support and protection, all people need to grow into really healthy, vital, beautiful people who are serving the Lord in the way that God has designed them to. And so that just gives me great joy. Um, and so um, 
Yeah, there's just nothing like seeing a, a, a newborn grow into a full-fledged adult that is productive and healthy. I mean, it, and that takes a lifetime to watch. So this is not a, this is not a quick process. But um, the other day, I was with my little granddaughter, River, and she learned, she's a toddler, and she learned how to walk backwards. And so, um, you know how cute that is, it's so cute. And she was just like so full of herself because she had learned how to walk backwards. And it was such a delight to me because I realized that that's, that's a really developmental milestone for a toddler. Um, but for her, it was just a cool new trick. And so, but I realized that I really like to see people learn cool new tricks. You know, when I, I, I love to see when somebody, um, comes to me and says that they've understood the word in a new way or that they're learning to wait on the Lord in a new way or their, their faith has been expanded in a new way. Those are developmental milestones and um, we just might think they're new tricks, but um, they're, those, are, those are big changes in a person's life. And I love, love, love seeing that. I love to see, I love to have somebody tell me how Christ has spoken to him. Last week, somebody I was sharing with here shared how Christ had spoken to her that morning in a very personal way. And I just, oh, it was just so great to hear that she, she heard the Lord and she, she had a little developmental milestone at that moment. She wasn't walking backwards though, she was walking forwards. So it's, it's just a joy for me to, to see people grow. And I think that's part of that gift of shepherding, I guess. Um, really growing people is not much different than growing plants or shepherding sheep. They, they just need good soil and, you know, they, they need all the things. They need, um, they need protection from the wind. You know, when you take a, a, a whole flat of new seedlings, if you brush your hand across them on purpose and it makes them stronger. But when they get out into the, into the garden, you got to support them. So, it's, it's all about support and protection and feeding. Um, and it's just a great joy to me. Um, the trouble with this gift is, like Rich was saying, is that you can't, you can't do this personally for everybody. But that's where the church comes in. And that's where the body of Christ, the family of God comes in. And um, that's why we're so excited in the women's ministry that we have this new mentoring um, lifestyle called Traveling Companions, where we've got multi-generational pairs of women um, walking together through life and they're just supporting one another, they're encouraging one another, they're feeding one another, they're shepherding one another. And it's just been a great joy for me to be able to like set that table and give some guidance and, and, and let that happen. So um, I don't know if it's a gift of shepherding or a gift of gardening, I don't know, but <laughs> I like to see people grow. So that's the bottom line. Yeah, good. All right, thanks. Um, I, I think that uh, for me, observing, um, I would, I mean, I would say to, to her, my wife, that I do think she does have the gift of shepherding. I've seen so, uh, her come alive, so much joy. She tells me just, you know, how she's so excited that, that people are growing they're moving forward in a relationship with Christ. Um, tears in the eyes, the whole thing, you know, about it. And so I think it's there whether you want to acknowledge it. That's okay. Um, I want you to give her a hand, okay? okay. 
Yeah, so that's just a, a, an example of, of what it can look like. That example is, is in this church. It's in this body of Christ. There might be some of you who just, you know, every Friday morning meet with some guys. You have breakfast with them. But you, you feel that, that need, that desire to make sure they're okay, to make sure they're growing in their faith, that it's not just idle talk. Uh, or women that get together. So think about that. If you think you might have the gift of shepherding, okay, write it on the Connect card for us. Write it on the Connect card. We'll pray for you. Worship team, you want to make your way up here? And uh, we, we're going to take communion together. And so ushers, you can make your way up here too. And you can start uh, releasing the rose. But what we're going to do is, is once you get it, um, we're going to take it together. So we're going to worship first together as you're, as you're coming up to get the elements here. And then I'll come back up and we'll take communion together.